Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in San Diego, California. It is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and it is the first official work day of this new daylight savings time. So whether you got enough rest over this weekend, it might not have mattered. You might have woken up a little extra groggy with the sun being an extra little bit lower in the morning. But hopefully you can get an extra cup of coffee and feel ready to just take this week on. You know, it's March Madness. We're getting ready for that. So, you know, it's an exciting time for sports. I feel like this weekend, though, before I talk any sports or anything of that matter, I did get a reminder that even at 31 years old, I feel like I'm starting to get the signs of becoming older, and it makes me worried if I'm falling apart at 31, what it's going to be like when I'm 41 or 51. You know, it first happened on Friday night where we were listening to music and having fun with our son. And I decided I'd mosh to Limp Biscuits Break Stuff because that's like one of the best songs to just like get up and just throw your arms to. Well, apparently I'm too old to just get up and do that without a proper warm up and a stretch because when I was done, I like looked at my wife and I was like, dude, I think I ripped my tricep off my bone and like my left arm has still been sore ever since then. And then yesterday I was playing pickleball with my neighbor, which is like, it's like pickleball is just mini tennis. It's like, I feel like it slots right in between ping pong and real tennis. So, you know, it should be chill. You know, I'm playing with my neighbor who's an older gentleman, I think in his late fifties or sixties. So to, to give you an idea of how physical it really is at the end of the day. And yeah, sure as shit, I stretched a little too far with my right arm. And you know, this is the same right arm where I separated that shoulder back in 2018. And man, I felt some popping going on. So I got, you know, my left tricep that's messed up. I got my right shoulder that's all messed up. So I'm falling apart at the seams, man. You're going to need some Gorilla Glue and some duct tape to help keep me together. Because, man, dude, the Kylie Green Monster, he's an old 31 right now, man. So, as I had mentioned, this week is the beginning of, well, the real official beginning of March Madness. The tournament proper is going to kick off on Friday, Friday morning. That's when all the first round matchups start. And then on Thursday, so Thursday, the day before that, it's going to be all the play-in games. There's four play-in games for people that aren't officially in the round one bracket. So typically in the past, these games will happen on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then round one would take place on a Thursday and Friday. This year, I think with COVID and like the fact that the whole tournament is taking place in, in, in Indianapolis and in the surrounding areas, I, they've adjusted the schedule a bit. So it's going to be the entire first round will be Friday and Saturday. And then the second round will be Sunday and Monday. And then the Sweet 16 will take place the following weekend. So I think, you know, in the past, episodes when I was headlining this specific Monday episode I was saying March 15th I'm going to be filling out my bracket so be ready for that but since the tournament doesn't start until Friday I feel like there's no rush to get the bracket filled out I figure we can talk about it all week because 
what kind of that's what sports shows do we take a topic and we bleed it to death and i feel like when there's 68 teams to talk about and you know it's a big tournament with lots of scenarios and lot to cover i feel like there's a lot to talk about this week so why rush it by picking completely random we can can try to actually analyze this thing and be smart and pick this stuff so tomorrow i'm going to be going over the east or the west and south brackets and then on wednesday i'm going to be going over the east and midwest brackets so then on thursday when i decide to pick when i will when we actually pick like the entire bracket so thursday will be the entire bracket hopefully we'll have some semblance of knowledge about these teams to be able to make some smart picks but as i've as i've seen in the past you know back in high school when i used to watch sports center in the morning and the afternoon and the evening and i actually had you know that's probably the peak of my college basketball knowledge i feel like whether you know a lot or whether you know a little, it doesn't matter because, you know, you can look at that big bracket and, you know, you look at teams, you know, the teams that are ranked one, two, and three and four, you know, in each region. And it's almost hard to, to imagine that, you know, a few of those teams are going to get knocked out in the first two rounds. And that's the trick when figuring out your bracket is like looking and seeing like which are the teams that you can feel confident that are going to at least you know, get to the Sweet 16, get to the Elite Eight, maybe get into the Final Four. You know, you it's it's easy to look at all the one seeds and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to keep picking them all the way to the Final Four. But, you know, chances are one of those teams is going to get knocked out early or get knocked out just at some point before the final four you know some of my early reactions when looking at the bracket and seeing the number one seeds oh sip of coffee is michigan being number one seed so this weekend i one of the one of the basketball games i actually did catch was the the big 10 semifinal between ohio state and michigan michigan was the number one ranked team in that tournament and it was actually a pretty loaded tournament i think four or five of the teams are ranked in the ap top 10 so you know the big 10 was a you know a big tournament and you know michigan for being a number one seed they got knocked out in the semifinals by ohio state you know i was watching that game and i felt like ohio state just looked like the better team the entire time michigan didn't really look impressive so of the number one seeds you know illinois baylor gonzaga and michigan i feel like michigan is the team that i'm the least confidence with just because you know just because I, I didn't they didn't look that impressive to me even though i've been hearing about them all year that they've you know they've even though they weren't ranked at the beginning of the season, I think they went out like started like eleven or twelve and zero. But you know they're they're in a tough region. You know, just looking at the East, and and this is coming from a guy who I there's like I said, by no means is a college basketball f expert, but some of the teams in there, you know, like LSU and Alabama, it just looks like it's a tough, um, going to be a tough region to get out of so michigan is someone that i'm probably not going to be too high on but um you know i'll probably talk about that more in the coming episodes when we're actually breaking down that region and then eventually picking our brackets on thursday so and then another thing that i thought was kind of weird about this ncaa tournament is there's no kentucky or duke this is those are two teams that I think that even anyone who's super casual in college basketball recognizes them as a staples in March every year. I think you're usually, you know, 
Duke and Kentucky are always teams that are that kind of people automatically usually will pick all the way up until the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight every year. But both teams had uncharacteristic bad seasons. You know, Kentucky finished under 500 this year. You know, Duke not better, just finishing 13 and 11. And, you know, over the past, you know, the recent years, Duke and Kentucky have been teams that have gone the more one and done route, you know, picking guys that are going to just do one year of college and then go into the NBA. And if you're going to have that strategy, you better be able to keep recruiting every single year because, you know, in a year like this where you have to rely on young guys, um, you know, to carry your team, you better have the best young guys because, you know, in college basketball, you know, a lot of these other teams that have a lot of upperclassmen and teams that have played together for you know two three four years they're going to have an advantage over a young duke team or a young kentucky team that's just relying on you know really good 18 19 year olds to you know carry a team so we'll see if they you know those those colleges will those schools will bounce back i can almost guarantee that both of them will be in the tournament next year but it's just definitely weird to not see them in the tournament this year so yeah so tune into the show throughout the week we'll be covering the brackets and throughout the rest of march probably covering the entire tournament so and if you haven't already signed up run go over to yahoo to the fantasy tournament pick them our group is two two one nine nine so I'll repeat, group number 22199. It's a $5 buy-in. There's info for the Venmo when you get on there. So it's Venmo me at my name, Dean Perus. And uh, yeah, let's have a good time with this tournament pick em. So March Madness isn't the only thing going on in the sports world. We've got some football to talk about. The big news in the football world right now is Drew Brees officially announced his retirement after 20 years of in the NFL or as the quarterback, 15 of them as being the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. This was something that I think was kind of foreseen, and I think that when it finally came out, it was more of just like, okay, so he finally made it official. You know, if you look all the way back, to go back in a time machine, Go back to the very first episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. The very first topic that I covered was actually Phil Rivers retiring and, you know, talking about how weird it is to see a lot of these quarterbacks like Phil Rivers and Eli Manning, how they hung it up. And you you got some other quarterbacks like Big Ben and Drew Brees who were on the way. And I was already speculating that, you know, Drew Brees was probably going to retire and just had to make it official at the end of you know, the NFC divisional matchup that the Saints hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of the famous things after that game was, you know, him having a conversation with Tom Brady and Tom Brady throwing a pass to Drew Brees' kids in the end zone. And it really did look kind of like, you know, you like Tom Brady kind of showing his respects to Drew Brees on the way out the door. And, you know, Drew Brees retires as one of the all-time great quarterbacks, you know, at the time of his retirement. So right now, he's the NFL leader in passing yards, 80,358 in touchdown passes with 571 and completion percentage at 67.7%. You know, I mean, I think at least the the passing yards and touchdown passes, those are going to be super temporary because I imagine with Tom Brady playing and him signing an extension and with intentions of playing for the next few years, Tom Brady is probably going to hold those records coming up soon. But it's still impressive, you know, considering a guy who, 
you know, I think he ended up getting drafted in the second round. He fell all the way to the second round because even though he broke a lot of records in college at Purdue, you know, he's still only a six six foot quarterback, so he's considered undersized. You know, but he was a great quarterback in the San Diego Chargers in the last game of 2005 with the Chargers. He completely like it was a 360 degree torn labrum in his throwing shoulder that required like a bunch of just a bunch of work on it. And there was a lot of people speculating that, you know, Drew Brees who's already small. And now with complete damage to his throwing shoulder, they thought that his career was going to be done. But he went and signed with New Orleans. He arrived there with Sean Payton, the head coach, at the same time and arrived at, you know, basically an important time and kind of like a momentous time in the New Orleans franchise history. You know, Hurricane Katrina had just come. The Superdome was, you know was shelter for a lot of people in New Orleans and it got completely ravaged by the hurricane. The whole town was completely devastated by the hurricane. And, you know, Drew Brees came in, became the head of the franchise, like did a lot of work in the city, helped like rehabilitate, did a lot of charity work to help, you know, New Orleans come back from Hurricane Katrina. So, you know, and then a couple years after that led New Orleans to a Super Bowl. So, you know, Drew Brees, he can, he's going to, He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's got a career that he could definitely be proud of. And, you know, I think it was definitely the right time for him to hang it up. I think, you know, by the end of his career, you could definitely tell his arm strength was going down. And I think definitely people who were drafting Alvin Kamara in fantasy football leagues always appreciated that because it seems like the offense was it was just like dump it off to Alvin Kamara or hit Michael Thomas for five-yard slant routes. You know, Michael Thomas, it's like it's kind of funny because of that. He's become the slant route guy. But, hey, I mean, he's, I guess, the best slant route guy. And you only you, you have to run the routes that your quarterback can actually make the throws. And, you know, at the end of his career, you know, Drew Brees wasn't a guy that was going to throw the ball down the field. He was going to maybe – he was going to basically, you know, pick defenses apart with a really short passing game. But, you know, now looking forward, New Orleans is going to have to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. You know, they've had Taysom Hill, who's kind of been almost like, you know, the co-quarterback. He was in there for, like, a lot of option plays and rushing plays and, you know, goal line plays and stuff. And over the weekend, word came out that New Orleans has restructured his deal to something crazy where it's, like, four years, $140 million. Like, so it sounds like a lot of money, but what that means is – it's just lowering the cap hit of Taysom Hill to I think only like $11 million this year or maybe even lower. And all that money, so that $140 million, that sounds like a lot. Like none of it's guaranteed. And like every year they could void his contract. So they've basically done some, you know, weird cap manipulation where, you know, they've just extended his contract to make the cap hit lesser this year. Kind of similar to what they did in Tampa Bay by Tom Brady extending his contract and now his cap hit was a lot less so it allows Tampa Bay to be able to re-sign people so this will allow you know New Orleans more flexibility as they try to get back you know over the cap you know they were but you know that I also does that doesn't mean that Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback I think that that just means he's going to I think he's going to keep the same role that he already has you know be in there for situations be there for goal lines I anticipate Jameis Winston coming in, being the quarterback. You know, I mean, we that's still, you know, we still have to wait and see. You know, 
the New Orleans is also one of the spots that Russell Wilson has mentioned that he wants to go. You know, over the weekend, apparently talks have been heating up with not with New Orleans, but apparently with Chicago. Apparently, according to Adam Schefter, that Chicago has made Russell Wilson like a top priority. So Chicago, a franchise that, you know, a lot of years has had a really good defense and has had a solid team, but they've never really had a quarterback that could really get them over the hump. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, Jay Cutler, none of those guys have really fit the bill as a top quarterback. And that's exactly what Russell Wilson is. Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback. And if he was somehow, if, if he somehow found his way into Chicago, I think Chicago would definitely all of a sudden become a contender. I think it would make the AF, the NFC North way more interesting, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. So it'll be see if, it'll be interesting to see if Chicago can make a move for Russell Wilson. You know, and speaking of, you know, the NFC North and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, it looks like Green Bay is for sure definitely like continuing to double down. They're all in on trying to win a Super Bowl now. They made a surprising move over the weekend that I wasn't really anticipating. They re-signed their running back, Aaron Jones, to a four-year, $48 million, $13 million guarantee. Or it's either a guarantee or $13 million signing bonus. But either way, they're bringing back Aaron Jones. That was something I wasn't really anticipating because you know Aaron Jones has been one of the best running backs over the past few years. He's been a fantasy football stud, and he was someone that w- was expected. I thought teams to maybe kind of bid on and you know get him to get a contract like this or maybe a little bit bigger from somewhere else. But Aaron Jones apparently wanted to stay in Green Bay, and Green Bay wanted Aaron Jones, and you know it also makes me wonder if like. Aaron Rodgers had any say in that you know if he if that was one of his things that like hey if you want to keep me happy bring Aaron Jones back you know they had drafted AJ Dillon last year running back from Boston College so I think a lot of people thought that or were speculating that they made that pick in anticipation for not being able to re-sign Aaron Jones. You know, a lot of people were speculating that both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were going to walk in free agency. So, you know, that wasn't the case. Aaron Jones is going to be coming back. And I'm going to be curious if Green Bay is going to try to bring in any one of these veteran wide receivers that's going to be on the on the market. There's, uh, you know, Will Fuller from Houston. There's you know, Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, there's Curtis Samuel. And, you know, those are just the, the few I could think of off the top of my head, you know, T.Y. Hilton. So, you know, I, I don't think that Green Bay's done. I think that they're going to bring in a few more things on offense and really just try to give Aaron Rodgers almost maybe give him the Tom Brady treatment, like load him up with as many weapons as he likes. So, I mean, that's what I would like to see and really see Aaron Rodgers make a run and try to, you know, get another Super Bowl ring to kind of add on to his legacy. There's a lot of people that, you know, that say that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is one of the goats and, you know, but he's a goat with only one ring. I think definitely trying to get another one on his hand is something that, you know, he's, he's going to be trying to do to finish off his career. And I, I think that especially with how well he played last year, you know, Aaron Rodgers with the right team, I think can get a couple more rings. So, all right, switching out of the NFL. I wanted to talk about a little bit of UFC before we close out this show. Over the weekend, there was another UFC fight night. I can't recall how many UFCs or how many weekends that's been in a row for the UFC. That might have been four or five. 
I only caught the main event, Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad, and it was definitely a bummer, and it was definitely anticlimactic. It ended at the early in the second round with an eye poke from Leon Edwards. He eye poked Muhammad like right in the eye, and his pretty looked pretty bad. You know, Muhammad's eye was bleeding after, and Herb Dean stopped the fight. And, you know, it was ruled a no contest. Regardless of, you know, Leon Edwards, he was definitely winning the fight. He definitely took round one. You know, it was definitely a bummer to see that. You know, going into that fight, Dana White was mentioning that with a win or an impressive performance from Leon Edwards, he was going to get a title shot. I think that now it kind of puts it up there, like, you know, up into question if he is going to get a title shot now. You know, going into that, he was riding a eight-fight win streak. Go and he, but he hadn't fought since July of 2019. So, you know, he was definitely really needed uh, an impressive performance, and I don't think that a no contest is going to constitute that. He was definitely after the fight. You know, he he definitely seemed devastated. He said he was heartbroken. He would rather have had a loss than to have a no contest like that. But also at the same time, he thinks that he deserves a title shot. He has no interest in running that fight back. In his opinion, he was supposed to be fighting Kamzat Shemaev. But, you know, Mohammed was just, you know, a late-minute late, late minute replacement. So he feels like this wasn't even a guy he was even supposed to fight. He felt like he was winning the fight. And he feels like, you know, he's done enough to get a title shot. I don't think he's necessarily, you know what happened you know that's not what dana white mentioned by being winning in an impressive performance i don't think that that performance was particularly impressive and you know especially with the ufc's plans to book usman and manziadal too that looks like what they're going to go for in the welterweight division and i'm not 100 percent sure but it sounds like they're going to be the coaches for the next season of the ultimate fighter I don't know if Leon Edwards has been on the shelf for almost two years, wants to be on the shelf for maybe another year. It seems like Usman is someone that only fights every six months. So, you know, if Masvidal and Usman aren't going to fight until maybe the end of the summer, sometime in the fall, Leon Edwards might not even, if he wants to fight for the title, it might realistically might not even be an option until late 2021 or early 2022. So I don't think that that's the best, especially after, you know, you know, after the long layoff, and then this wasn't even a, a win or anything. It was a no contest, so I might as well not even had the fight. So I think he should get one more fight, and I think that they should book Edwards and Colby Covington. You know, apparently they had offered Edwards to Colby Covington before, and Colby Covington was talking about not wanting to give any charity to Leon Edwards. And I think that that's, you know, it's funny for the gimmick. You know, I appreciate Colby, Colby Covington talking shit and doing the wrestler shtick. But at the end of the day, Leon Edwards is one of the top welterweights. Colby is one of the top welterweights. And if they're not going to book Usman and Colby, I still want to see Colby fight. So let's get Edwards and Colby Covington, man. Let's let's book it. You know, you know that I think Covington's healthy. I think Leon Edwards, Edwards is healthy. Let's get him in there as soon as possible. I think that... It would be an awesome fight at 150 or 170, and that could be a real title eliminator right there. And if Edwards wants Edwards wants a title shot, I think that'd be the perfect way to really put an exclamation mark on his resume and really hammer home that he is the rightful number one contender at 170. And the last bit of UFC news before I get out of here is at 155, we've got an, an, a pretty a pretty 
exciting matchup that I'm stoked for. It's booked for in May, I believe. It's Benil Dariush versus Tony Ferguson. Benil Dariush, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've in my very, very, very modest jiu-jitsu experience dating back now a decade. It's been like 10 years ago since I, you know, did learn some jiu-jitsu at Ralph Gracie and Tustin for you know, probably about two, three months, you know, my friends and I trained out of there and that's where Benny, Benil Dariush or Benny would train. And he was a brown belt at the time. And, you know, he's had a pretty successful UFC run over this past decade, you know, in particular his past six fights, he's on a six fight win streak. He's one of the hottest guys at 155. I think he's a guy that a lot of people probably, you know, trying to stay away from because he's dangerous. He's dangerous on, you know, he's, I think he's underrated on his feet and he's really dangerous on the ground, like excellent jujitsu and he'll finish anyone on the ground. So, you know, so, and he's on a run right now, you know, and Tony Ferguson, he's meanwhile a fighter that is really trying to stop a skid. You know, he's on a two fight losing streak versus, you know, I mean, impressive people in the division, Justin Gaethje and Carl Charles Oliveira. But before that, he was riding a 12 fight win streak, you know, so he has gone from being basically almost unbeatable at 155 to a guy that really needs to stop a skid. And I think that this fight is going to be very indicative at what point is Tony Ferguson is he is he someone that still has something left in the gas tank and can make one more run at 155 or is he going to be someone that's on the you know are Benil Dariush and Ferguson about to kind of like pass each other kind of in terms of career where I feel like Benil or Benny is on the way up towards you know peaking and you know sorry to say I mean Tony Ferguson's one of my favorite guys to watch but he's looking like he's you know, on the downside, I think there's, you know, you can only have so many wars and, you know, he had a 12 fight win streak, but in that 12 fights, he never got a chance to fight for the title. And I think that that's why, you know, you can respect dudes that take answer the call to fight every single time. And as opposed to guys that wait around for title shots and handpick their opponents for their career but I think that's what ends up happening you know you can have a career like Tony Ferguson or Donald Cerrone where you rack up tons of fights but you know I think your body can only take so much time in the octagon and so much abuse before it just starts to decline and I, we'll have to see but I, I feel like that's where Tony Ferguson's at I think either way we're in we got ourselves an exciting matchup you know with Benny over his past five fights four of them he's he's gotten a performance of the night or a fight of the night so he definitely is not afraid to engage in a very crowd-pleasing manner and a crowd crowd-pleasing style so I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup at 155 and you know there's there's a lot of UFC to look forward to coming up you know we got the heavyweight title life title fight coming up with Francis Ngannou and Stipe Mee too that's in a couple weeks so looking forward to talking that in a bit but in terms of today's show that's it i hope you guys have a wonderful monday i appreciate everyone that comes and takes a listen subscribe and rate on apple podcast but until next time everyone have a great one i'm dean ryan this has been a cali green monster show coming from the tesla studios here in san diego california Peace.